Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. To all of you in the room, to all of you joining us online, to those who are listening in on Way FM, welcome to First Christian Church of Fort Myers. Today we are wrapping up our sermon series that we have adapted from John Dickerson's book called Jesus Loves Me by talking about the Bible, and we're gonna specifically try to answer this question. How should we view the Bible? That's our our big question for today. How should we view the Bible? And if you've been here the past five weeks, then you know we've, we've been discovering the core teachings of the Christian faith by working our way through the famous old children's song, Jesus Loves Me. Like, like everything we need to know about Christianity is contained in that song. We, we need to know about Jesus, who he is and what he does. We need to know about God's love, that it's unconditional, that it's sacrificial, that it is available to all. I need to know about me, that I am a sinner in need of grace and healing. We need to know that it's possible to know God and to know that we are saved. And we need to know some of what the Bible tells us about God. Jesus loves me This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And so so our answer, our big question, how should I view the Bible, can be answered like this. Like Jesus viewed the Bible. That's how we view the Bible. Like Jesus viewed the Bible. As followers of Jesus, we take our cues from him. And today we're going to discover how Jesus viewed the Bible. But first, let me tell you a story. It was several years ago that I was having dinner in Dallas, Texas, when our waiter asked me what I did for a living. And so I told him I was a pastor, and and so he asked me if I studied the Bible a lot. Yeah. Academically, as a student and a scholar, professionally as a writer and a speaker, but most importantly, personally, because I gain so much inspiration and direction for my life as I read it and study it. And he said, well, yeah, um, I gave up on the Bible. There are just so many contradictions and mistranslations. I don't think our modern day Bibles are trustworthy. And I said, I understand why some people think that. But, but specifically, I asked him, what contradictions and translations do you mistrust? Because I think most of them can be easily resolved if you know how to read the text in context and do a little research. And, and so which ones are you speaking about? And he said, well, you know, um, there are contradictions and mistranslations. And, and uh, so much of it wasn't written to us in the first place. And, and I don't know, contradictions and mistranslations. And, and I said, have, have you actually read the Bible? Or even a specific book within the Bible all the way through? And he said, um, no. Actually, no. 
And I said, well, I just wanna encourage you to pick it up and read it because I believe it has the power to change your life. It has certainly made a difference in mine. And while he hadn't actually read the Bible, what he said was true. There are contradictions and there are mistranslations and most are easily resolved with a little research. In fact, most of the contradictions are actually the result of mistranslations. But through the years, there have been some translation problems. For instance, a, a 16th century printing of the Bible had Jesus blessing the placemakers instead of the peacemakers. In the very first English translation of the Bible printed in Ireland, it was in 1716, it encouraged its readers to go and sin more instead of go and sin no more. There was a 19th century printing that had Mark 7, 27 saying, let the children be killed instead of let the children be filled. There was an 1810 translation of the Bible that had Jesus saying, if, if any man would come after me and not hate his own wife, it was supposed to say life, but it said hate his wife. He cannot be my disciple. There was an 1832 printing that had Rebecca leaving her tent to meet with Isaac and a group of camels. It was supposed to say damsels. And then there was an American printer who accidentally substituted the parable of the vineyard with the parable of the vinegar. And those are all true stories. But yes, through the years, there have been some translation problems and some printing problems. More often, there's been problems with our interpretations of the text rather than with the text itself. And again, most can be resolved with a little research. But I don't really wanna get into today the historical and literary arguments for the reliability of scripture. That's a conversation, that's an important conversation. It's a conversation for another day. What I wanna do today, very simply, is I wanna demonstrate what Jesus believed about the Bible. Because at our core, we are Christians and we are a Christian church. And so we believe in Christ and we follow Christ. And, and we don't believe the Bible on its own merits, although I think it stands on its own merits just fine. No, we believe the Bible because Jesus believed the Bible and we follow Jesus. And I have said this many times before, and I will say it again and again, I'm with Jesus. I'm with Jesus because Jesus predicted his own death, and he promised to come back to life, and then he did exactly what he said, and there is plenty of evidence to support that it really happened, not just because the Bible tells me so, but plenty of other evidence to support that Jesus actually conquered death, and my thing is, I'm with the guy who conquered death. Like, you conquer death, and you've got me as your follower. Whatever you say goes, whatever you do is what I wanna do. Whatever you believe, I'm gonna believe. And so I believe the Bible because Jesus believed the Bible and I follow Jesus. And what I wanna do for you today is I wanna show you three things Jesus clearly believed about the Bible from the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter four. Now before I do, I just wanna clarify for a moment what we mean when we talk about the Bible. For Jesus, the Bible was the Jewish scriptures. His Bible was not the Christian scriptures. His Bible was the Jewish scriptures or what we call 
the Old Testament. When Jesus refers to the word of God or to the law, he's talking about the Old Testament. Of course, for us, the Bible is more than just the Jewish scriptures. It's also the Christian scriptures or what we call the New Testament. And Jesus made it clear to his disciples that they, through the Holy Spirit, would recall the things that he had taught them. And when that happened, and when those things were codified in literary form, the Christian scriptures were formed. And so the Jewish scriptures are a record of the things that happened during the Old Testament times, but also a revelation about God through those times. And the Christian scriptures contain further revelation about God and Jesus to us. And with all that as background, let's read about the temptation of Jesus from Matthew chapter four, and let's discover what Jesus believed about the Bible. Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. And then the devil quoted scripture, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Now, at first glance, we may think this section of scripture tells us how Jesus resisted temptation, which it does. Jesus resisted temptation by correctly quoting scripture. But it also tells us what Jesus believed about the Bible. And there are three things that Jesus believed about the Bible that we find here in Matthew chapter four. Number one, we we find out that Jesus believed his Bible was his source of truth. Number two, we find out that Jesus believed his Bible came from God. And number three, we find out that Jesus believed his Bible was his fuel for life. And each of these three truths can be discovered in Matthew chapter four and particularly verse four. So let me just set up the context of Matthew chapter four. This is essentially the inauguration of the ministry of Jesus. This is is how he, he kicked things off, so to speak. He's about 30 years old. And he's lived in a relative obscurity up to this point in his life. Of course, we know he was born in Bethlehem, and we know that he spent the first several years of his life as an immigrant refugee in Egypt, but then later he moved with his family to his boyhood home, the home he would grow up in, in Nazareth. And Nazareth was a tiny village. Maybe 60 or so people lived there. 
Now, if you visit Nazareth now, Nazareth is this big, thriving city, but in the first century, it was tiny, and the ruins of that tiny village are still there. They're protected there to this day, and you can visit them, and you can see the ruins of the houses there, and we know for sure that Jesus lived in one of those houses until he was 30 years old. And around 30 years old, Jesus left home to be baptized by his cousin, John. And at his baptism, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, who then led him out into the wilderness, where he fasted from food for how long? For 40 days. And at the end of that 40 days, Matthew says, the tempter, that is Satan or the devil, came to Jesus in his deep hunger and tempted him to make food for himself by miraculously turning stones into bread. And in response, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's the first thing we learned from that verse. Jesus believed his Bible was his source of truth. Jesus believed it was his Bible that was his source of truth. In order to fight the temptation to use his miraculous powers selfishly, Jesus appealed to the written word. And very specifically, Jesus appealed to the fifth book of law in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 3, which says, God humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Hmm. <clears throat> Let's just think about this for just a moment. What was Satan, what was, what was the tempter really saying to Jesus? Well, essentially he was saying, Jesus Follow your feelings. Follow your truth. You haven't eaten in 40 days. You're starving. You feel like you're dying. You know you need food. Turn the stone into bread. Go ahead, take it and eat it, and you won't die. And it's an echo of what the serpent said to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in the Old Testament book of Genesis chapter 3. Take the fruit, go ahead and eat it. Surely you will not die. Satan was appealing to Jesus' physical hunger and his personal feelings of starvation in the moment. Satan was saying, follow how you feel right now. Do what your body is telling you right now. That's your truth. But Jesus appealed to a higher truth. Jesus appealed to the Bible. The Bible was his highest source of truth. Jesus said, it is written. He didn't say, well, this is how I feel. He said, it is written. And then he quoted the Bible, Deuteronomy 8.3 specifically, as his highest truth. In fact, he not only appealed to the Bible as his highest source of truth, but he also made it clear in this very statement that he believed his Bible came from the mouth of God. 
every word, he said, comes from the mouth of God. And so if you're taking notes, that's number two. Jesus believed his Bible came from God. And oh, incidentally, this is not just something Jesus believed, but it's also something Jesus taught his disciples to believe. Listen to what the apostle Paul wrote. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Paul said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That was Paul. Listen to what the apostle Peter wrote to his audience in 2 Peter 1.21. He said, for no prophecy ever had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Paul believed the scriptures were God-breathed. Peter believed the human authors of scripture were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And, And who do you think taught these early Christians to believe that? Well, their own teacher, of course, Jesus. Peter believed the Jewish scriptures came from God because that's what Jesus taught him to believe. But Peter also believed the Christian scriptures, which were just then being written, would also come from God as well. And he believed that because essentially Jesus promised him that. John chapter 16, verse 13, here's what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, but when the spirit of truth comes and the Holy Spirit is in you, he will guide you in the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus believed his Bible, the Jewish scriptures, came from the mouth of God, and Jesus taught his followers to believe the same. And further, Jesus promised those original followers, those eyewitnesses, that the Holy Spirit would give them the words to write, the Christian scriptures, that would add to and ultimately complete the Jewish scriptures. That is, they too would come from the mouth of God. So Jesus believed his Bible was his highest source of truth, and Jesus believed his Bible ultimately came from God. And here's the third thing Jesus believed about his Bible. Jesus believed his Bible was his fuel for life. Remember, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, and that means Jesus hadn't eaten for weeks. And oh, by the way, 40 days is about as long as a human can go without food. That's about as long as a person can go without, without really damaging their body. And I've actually known a few people who did 40-day fasts. I don't recommend it. Longest fast I ever did was one full week, and it was rough, and I don't think I will ever do it again. And to go longer than 40 days without food can seriously damage your body. And, and Satan tempted Jesus like he tempted Adam and Eve to take and to eat and to live. Turn the stone into bread, Jesus. Use the miraculous power for yourself, Jesus. You're about to die, Jesus. You need it for fuel, Jesus. How are you going to accomplish God's mission if you starve to death, Jesus? You need those calories to fuel your body. Come on, Jesus. You can do it. Turn the stone into bread. Save your own life and prove you are who you think you are. And Jesus appealed to scripture instead. 
man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus said, it's not the bread that fuels my life. It's the word of God that fuels my life. Jesus saw his Bible as the fuel he needed for living. Not bread, not calories, but the word of God. Clearly, Jesus believed his Bible was his source of truth. Clearly, Jesus believed his Bible came from God. And clearly, Jesus believed his Bible contained the fuel he needed to live for God. Now, here's why it all matters. If we are Christians, now the word Christian means little Christ. If we are little Christ, if we are truly his followers, then what he says goes and what he commands we obey and what he believes we accept as our truth. If we follow Jesus, we don't dismiss the Bible, ignore the Bible, or pick and choose what we want to believe in the Bible. We follow in the footsteps of Jesus and we acknowledge this book. Not our feelings, not our momentary pain, not our problems, this book is our source of truth. We acknowledge this book, though penned by men, is actually a gift from God to us. And we acknowledge that it is this book that contains the fuel we need to live abundantly for God. Church, this, this book, this book is, is the mind of God. This book is the state of man. This book is the the way of salvation, it is the hope of sinners, it is the happiness of believers, this book. Its teachings are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true. That's why we need to read this book, read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy, it contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. This book is the traveler's map, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here, paradise is restored, heaven is opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good is its design, and the glory of God is its end. This book should fill your memory, rule your heart, and guide your hands and feet. Read it frequently, thoughtfully, and prayerfully. It is a wealth of wisdom. Follow this book and its teachings will lead you to the cross and then to the empty tomb and then to abundant life in Christ and finally to heaven for eternity. Church, please do not neglect this book. You know, if I could leave you with one takeaway today, it would be this that you would build a daily time with God into your life for praying and reading the Bible. You know, we have been through a lot. 
over the last five years. We've, we've endured a, a global pandemic that was bookended by two major hurricanes in Irma and Ian. And, and I've been through a lot of things in the last five years. I have stood on my life's highest mountains and I have found myself in my life's deepest valleys, but there has been one certain thing that I have never given up on. One thing I haven't compromised in those same five years, and that is my daily Bible reading. Five years ago, I adopted a two-year Bible reading plan, and it takes me through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice every two years. And so right now, I am in the middle of my third read through the Bible in five years. My plan is found on version on the Bible app and it notifies me every night around 8 p.m. if I haven't already read my Bible for the day and whatever I'm doing, I stop and I take about 10 minutes to read it. And if I've had just one constant thing in my life that I could rely on the past five years, my Bible is it. It continues to be my source of truth and my gift from God and it continues to give me the power I need to keep living and moving forward on my journey. And I hope you will follow my quite imperfect example and just read the book. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and your grace and your truth. Thank you for revealing so much of yourself to us through the Bible. May we hold fast to your word as we hold fast to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.